We are a group of friends bound by our appreciation for liberty and good podcasting. Free-minded thinkers from all walks of life, our values come together with one accord to discuss the common culture and news of the day, along with whatever random crap is going on in our lives. Welcome to the Union of the Unknowns. Perfect. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Union of the Unknowns. Today with us, our unknowns are Stella Q. Hey, Stella. Hey, how are you going, Ashley? Very well, thank you. Uh, myself, Ashley, Think Change Repeat, and we have a very special guest, Joel, a.k.a. Erroneous Method. Welcome, Joel. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Hi, Stella. Hi, Ashley. Hey. Thanks for coming. Yes, very happy to have you here today. And as we kind of discussed earlier, we're just going to free flow. But uh, the connection between you and Stella, you're both musicians, um, have history of writing your own music, producing your own music, grinding it out uh, in a very non-commercial way, which is you know, better and also harder. So I thought that I just would let you introduce yourself, Joel. Tell us a little bit about what you do, what you've got going on, and we'll take it from there. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. So I came onto the scene in 2007 with an underground music group called the USMW, and we never really produced anything major. We just learned how to rap together. So it was a lot of like um, free form and uh, independent ciphers. Uh, we did a lot of like freestyle battle work, um, that kind of thing. We just built a cipher, uh, built up a repertoire of the kind of things we were talking about. And we learned the art of rap. And uh, out of that, I learned to produce music. And I started to really, I, I've always been a musician. I've always played all sorts of instruments, you know, harmonica, guitar, bass, drums. And I started to get into the, you know, the more electronic side of things, uh, physical MPCs, those kind of things. Um, so drum machines. So I started to elevate my music on my own after the upstate Midwest and I became an independent artist. And so for the last 15 years, that's what I've done. My music started to take on more of a, you know, I always had a political side, but it took on more of a political side during the last few years. And uh, that's when I started to kind of uh, fight back from my perspective with my lyricism and just the way I was producing music. I took it back to kind of an old school way of production. I started to use more live instruments, less computerized sounds, and I started to really dig deep on the kind of beats I was creating and uh, the lyrics I was putting to the beats. And uh, I really started to blend what I wanted to talk about with a kind of um, storyline. And I had never done that before. So I started to kind of like find, find my groove, I guess you could say. And that's where I'm at now today. Nice. And I just want to point out and uh, let everyone know that we will have the show, the links in the show notes, but you recently, like very recently in the last uh, couple of weeks have put out some new music, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in, in the last year, I've done five studio albums and then I'm continuously just putting out underground tracks on SoundCloud. So it's been a lot of fun to create uh, new music and, uh, you know, uh, 
it's it's been a continuous thing. I went through a period where I wasn't able to create recently. I had a flood and my and my storage unit was flooded. I lost a lot of my equipment and through the generosity of like just the community and the conspiracy community because of all the podcasts I've done, people just donated money and time and you guys donated some money. Everybody gave a little bit and I was able to get enough equipment back together to put out the last bit for the latest album, which is going to be coming out soon. Amazing. That makes me very, very happy to hear that. Truly. That Stella? Is, that, that's, that's an excellent story. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, what happened? With, was that like a natural disaster type flood or a yeah, we had a plumbing. flash flood here in Canandaigua, New York. It was uh, it was kind of you know a freak thing, and uh, it it I had I was in the process of moving, and all my things were in a storage unit, so they oh, they were right. they were flooded out. All my electronics, I had been in the process of taking my studio down and and moving myself and relocating here in the city. So it uh, you know, it was uh, it was not a prime time to lose all my things, mm, but it, it's yeah. been so amazing just watching this flood of you know i was homeless for a little bit and you know i was like sleeping in in my storage unit and you know like people literally just gave gave back so much that i was able to like get a small apartment and just get my myself back together very quickly it was nice what an experience i'm sure that's going to produce some good tracks <laughs> <laughs> yeah it already has yeah excellent yeah, so I was wondering about that because I had seen you post some stuff about your story, but it it wasn't really until fairly recently that you kind of, you know, that for whatever reason, your stuff was showing, like we were following each other, but we didn't know each other. And then, um, and you know how weird it is, like you only see a handful of accounts that you don't really follow and you don't care what they have to say instead of the people that you actually follow. So somehow some way it popped up and i we hadn't really talked about what happened with the flood and you know it, getting your new place and all that good stuff so i'm very happy to hear that that's where you're at now yeah yeah it's a, it's a, you know um you know my life has been very up and down in the last couple of years both as a musician and as a person and uh but it's 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 led to some great creation and um it's it's led to a lot of uh thought provoking you know i've been i've been going through um you know kind of the hero's journey not to call myself the hero but you know what i mean like there's there's a there's an ebb and flow to my life lately and that's kind of led to where i'm at musically too which is that's been a lot of fun it's a, it's a process right like um this constant almost up and down where one minute i feel very on top of the world and the next minute i feel that all my hopes are dashed and and yet it, I pulled through and uh, it's been through the grace of all the people around me. And like, I, I wouldn't have that if it wasn't for this commu conspiracy community that we're, we're all kind of surrounding each other, right? Like, so I heard about your podcast through Union of the Unwanted at one part, part point. And then like, you know, there's all these other podcasts that I've been involved with. You know, it's all just one big community. And a lot of people don't like to talk about it in those terms because, you know, you get these groups that are infighting or whatever. But it's it's amazing to watch alternative media branch out the way it has and take on people like myself who are musicians and go, hey, your your message is the same as our message. Why don't we talk? Why don't we have a good conversation about it? Yeah, I agree. In fact, in some in some ways, I kind of prefer the way it is now. <laughs> like take all the take all the tragic stuff and the horrible stuff away. It's sort of like, well, I feel like now, even though I haven't met most of my f new friends, <laughs> they're all in other countries. Um, yeah, it's definitely you, you've, it's a different community, completely different world now, isn't it? Like 
this split that's happened and it's I'm, I'm much more comfortable with my new friends um, and I can talk in much more depth with my new friends. <laughs> so um, in, in some sense, it's, it, it has been a blessing. Um, yeah, I mean, life's, life's a pretty weird road, isn't it? If you can just hang in there and, and allow yourself to be stretched that little bit further than you think you can go, it usually pays off, doesn't it? Brings some uh, rewarding experiences. Absolutely. Yeah, like I, I like to think of the universe as like expanding and contracting. We're constantly dealing with this ebb and flow, right? Uh, if we just stay in the middle sometimes and like focus on the right now, you know, it's uh, mm. it's a wonderful thing. It can be it can be a powerful experience to just sit in your suffering sometimes. And that's you know, I've tried to do that over the last few months and like experience that, like, and, and yet so much good has happened because of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always now, and now is always on time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, and I think that's a really good point and I feel like you know as Stella talks about this about just sitting there just being with how things are and personally that is something that I struggle with uh, to not have some type of distraction whether it's a podcast whether it's music whether it's you know youtube or whatever um i do struggle with kind of just sitting in silence and i i definitely struggle with embracing um really difficult situations i personally tend to get thrown very off balance by that and then it's like i'm reeling i'm i'm like overthinking i'm processing i'm processing i'm processing uh, trying to make sense of it. But I think that what you're saying is very good advice if you can do it. And uh, sometimes that's easier said than done, but just trying to feel how you feel and just be where you're at with whatever is going on. Um, and it's particularly maybe in people who are in the creative field like you and Stella uh, and being able to use that for you know, for your expression. So I was just going to. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, man. I no, no, you go ahead. Getting back to the music. I just wanted to ask, um, some of the, I really love your drum sounds and I was sort of wondering how, now that I know that you're also an organic drummer, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, do you sample a lot of your drum sounds or are you using electronic sort of, um, samples, I use or? a, I use a, cool kind of combination so i take um i take natural drum sounds i take sounds that i make myself using um you know all sorts of different instruments that i've made myself um and i i take a mpx board on a kai uh, 16 pad board and i will just load it up with all sorts of stuff that i've both made and you know, sometimes I'll sample, but it's it's rare, right? I, I make sure that I do my due diligence if I do that. It's it's rare. I, I rarely do that because I want to put out an album that's um, very 100%, 100% me, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So occasionally I will take a sample from someone, but I tend to use like um, a musician I know or something and I'll farm a beat. You know what I mean? If I, I can't do it myself. Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry. There's a little bit of a crossover with, I think, the word samples. It's That's a generational thing. It's not your fault. <laughs> oh, so when okay. I say yeah. sample, I'm sort of thinking about you sampling your own sounds. That's sort of rather oh, yes, than a yes, sample will, of another musician. I will musician. reuse my own sounds, you know, my own loops. Yep. Uh, I'll go back and, uh, like, uh, you know, throw back my own sound and, and bring yeah. it back. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yes. Re remix Fun. it, rehash it a hundred different ways. Yeah. I create so for hits. Sorry. 
yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to say, can y'all explain for us non-musical folk the maybe the old meaning of sampling and the new meaning of sampling or, uh, you know, just kind of explain that in in your discussion as well? This could be interesting because of the generational thing. So, Stella, do you want to explain it from your perspective? I've probably put that in a very bad way. There's not really an old meaning and a new meaning. <laughs> I, was just, I was just picking up um, that when, when I was sort of saying about sampling, I'm sort of thinking more when sampling first came out, it was um, definitely people sort of sampling their own sounds, things that they were making. Whereas now I think sampling often refers to taking samples of other tracks and other people's work. Is that, would that be right? Correct. Yes. That's the way yeah, I okay. would describe it is the, the idea of like now when you say a sample to most hip hop artists, they would think you mean taking someone else's sound and rehashing it into your sound. Okay. Right. That's well, I'm not really sure what year that happened, <laughs> but um, <laughs> apparently that's the way it is. But, 1995. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for being so specific. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 1995. <laughs> oh, sampling is so much fun though, isn't it? Um, like making your own tracks your own sample sounds oh absolutely yeah i love to take and and you know quite often i will take my own sound and bring it back into the music again in a different way and see if somebody will catch it you know it's it's that that's a lot of fun it's a yeah Yeah. so my all my all my music is basically my own samples i'll take i take and create kits based that made off of uh you know individual sounds that i've created you know and then uh I'll loop them. Uh, I'll use a a board to uh, finger play the drums a lot of the time. Uh, Sometimes I play organic drums and I record the loop and then I use that into the mix. Uh, I'll mix it up with an MPX. Uh, I use rhythm uh, converters sometimes to change the the, the pitch and the tone. You know what I mean? So so yeah, I I like to experiment. I like to play around. It's highly experimental. Everything I do is really kind of... uh, it's 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 my it's my own kind of creation. If you were to talk to another producer and go, the way he's doing this is kind of ridiculous, you know, because it takes it uh, nine steps where they would take two, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the fun bit, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I, I could yeah. I could tell it was quite experimental. I was I was almost expecting you to be in a lab coat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's great stuff. Oh, I love do, that visual. That's that's good. <laughs> do, do you go as far as things like um? Oh, closing that trash can lid sounded awesome. I'm going to sample that. Like, yeah, you absolutely. go that far? Yeah, like, that's, yeah, yeah, you got the it. The water yeah, going I, down the sink. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite so often, cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a sound in one of the songs, uh, Cop Knock, where uh, you hear at the end, I'm knocking, and the lights, uh, my studio lights fell over, and I just left it in there. You know what I mean? Stuff like that, too. Just like yeah, ambient yeah. noises that I've just gone, okay, whatever, it's part of yes. the song now. Or like, yeah, I'll take a... Like, yeah, like stomp, you know, from the, the yeah, I'll take yeah, a trash can lid or, uh, you know, something. And I, yeah, I make my own instruments quite often and I'm playing off the desk or something, you know. Um, I love hand drums. So I have hundreds of different, you'll hear it quite often in my music, uh, the different hand drum sounds because I'm not great with a normal kit. Uh, I use an electronic kit often, but hand drums, I have kind of a special feel for them. So I use those mm-hmm. quite a bit. I use a harmonica quite often and I will convert the sound into a drum sound with the, right, the okay. mpx so yeah different things like that just weird stuff that people are like what is that why does that sound like that love it love it that's very cool yeah, yeah. and i think that is um that's a good message for life right like a metaphor using what you have when you have it where you're at and you can still create something 
really damn cool. And think of things from a very outside of the box perspective, uh, which I love. That's that's really neat. You took the words right out of my mouth. Give them back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well said. Yeah, I, I sort of uh, listened. I listened to a lot of what I would. I actually made a note. Um, it's like I'm listening to a bunch of creative brush strokes. That's sort of oh, how I yeah. heard your music. Yeah, it's good. Enjoy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to paint with words a lot of the time too. You know, um, the the main yeah, goal. Lyrics. You know, I, I only became a. Uh, uh, a producer and a musician to kind of get to the words, right? Like, cause I was a poet first. So mm -hmm. I was creating all these uh, beat verse poetry early on. And somebody, one of my young friends told me when we were 19, he said, Hey man, that's rap. And I was like, no, it's poetry. And he's like, no, no dude, that's rap. You could rap <laughs> it. And I was like, no, I don't have any skill for that. And he said, come on, man, why don't you try? So, and that was the first like session we sat down and we began to try and rap over an instrumental beat. It was a uh, Jedi mind tricks, the underground, group from philadelphia and they uh i'll never forget that you know just sitting there in the cold new york snow and, and rapping for the first time and going oh i can do this i can't this anybody can do this because that was his philosophy anybody can rap you know we had a kind of a race theory back then like no no that's not i'm not eminem you know what i mean there yeah, was kind of, or i'm not black <laughs> yeah it's, it's changed right it's changed even though i was i grew up in a leg almost a legacy of hip-hop one of the first um Christian hip hop artist was a friend of my dad. Uh, they called this guy the grandfather of Christian hip hop. So I was raised around these guys kind of like doing the beatbox and and out front of the buildings in Rochester. So like, I kind of have this kind of almost connection to uh, a genuine legacy to hip hop. And that's, it's an interesting thing. Like, you know, when you flow through this musical genre your whole life, you know, you study it, you pay attention to it and eventually you birth it yourself. Yeah, right. So you've had some pretty amazing mentors around you, obviously. Yeah, luckily, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that uh, actually segued into a, my next question, too, was what is your community around you look like now as far as people that you can collaborate with people that you could maybe say hey what do you think about this or hey can you come record with me um because Stella and I've had some conversations about what it's like at different times for her in her recording and like who you can connect with and uh to sort of make things happen um even in a small town Right now, I'm very desolate. I do have some some people I can reach out to, but it's very desolate. Yeah, there's only one or two production companies left around, and they're kind of very territorial in our area. So there's nowhere to play any hip-hop music for for miles, even though, you know, Rochester, New York, which is a, the big city near us, they're really considered a hip hop city, yet there's nowhere left really there to play live music. There's no, there's very small venues. There's no small venues left. There's nothing, there's no place to kind of generate any income from live music the way it used to be, which is the the kind of the backbone of the way you would do music here is selling your t-shirts, your, you know, your, your, your side stuff at the, at the gig is how you make your money. So, they've kind of destroyed the industry in that regard. And I'm, I'm very much left on my own to kind of do it myself out here, which is why I started to branch off during the pandemic into podcasting. Cause I was already into certain levels of, you know, um, conspiracy and health. And so I started, you know, I started really looking into those kind of things and I got invited on some larger podcasts and it just took off from there. People started to actually recognize the music. So, you know, to answer your question, long story short, yeah, desolate, not, not great right here. 
Yeah. Okay. That's um. It's it's a very. I think it must be global because that that very much happened here. In I'm in Australia. I don't know if, if that was mentioned. Um. And yeah, that's very much happened here. I, I've seen a sad decline of an incredible live music scene. Absolutely incredible. I mean, the na- the 80s was just. It's never going to come back. You you were probably in nappies then, but whatever. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I was born <laughs> in eighty six, so yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, it was it was a very good decade. So there you go. Um, but uh, yes, big decline. Uh, so the live music scene was you, you could play just about anywhere. Uh-huh. Amazing writers. You'd get paid. You know, people respected you. You were paid what you were worth. And then it sort of declined a little bit. The the I think that was through law changes, actually. The drink driving laws started becoming much heavier. Um, no smoking, so the smoking was banned. That really changed. That really changed the music scene big time because no more, you know, smoky-filled gigs. Um, and, um, yeah, and then it sort of did this complete turnaround again where it was it just went back to square one where you had to – you were lucky if you could get in front of a microphone, you know. You were blessed if someone gave you some stage time. And make sure you bring 15 or 20 friends with you, otherwise you'll have to pay for the lighting guy. You know, yeah. it was just this complete turnaround. So, yeah, that's, um, I think that's been fairly global, yeah. That changed yeah, everything. It, and, of course, streaming then came along. <laughs> Don't take me there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it too. Um, I mean, it felt okay here pretty much right up until the pandemic. You know, streaming hit me hard, but I was still making money through live shows. I was still making money through, um, you know, just just uh, working with other people. And then, you know, they... they uh, it was almost, it's definitely engineered. It's this engineered dismantling yeah. of music across the board. And that's when I started to recognize what was happening and really fight back with my lyricism and, uh, and, and come at kind of the system at, at a whole. You know, I always had this kind mm-hmm. of anti-government, anti-authoritarian um, type view, but I really started to put it out there with the music during, you know, uh, 2021, I started to really punch back and that was through podcasts. I mean, it was through, through podcasts, like, you know, um, you know, all the, all these shows that I listen to that have like, you know, that alternative media vibe, you know, and that's, uh, they were the things that really activated me and made me go, okay, there's, there's more here. There's more going on and start making songs with really poignant lyrics. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I sort of felt that like, I mean, I use the word musician. I don't really use it about myself. Other people use it about me. I've written a few tracks and put them out there, I, you know, and I, I did play live a lot, but um, that's been, you know, quite a long time ago. But yeah, it's, it, it did make me look at my own craft a little bit different as well. It's sort of like, okay, this is not going to be so much of just a, um, what do you call it? Self-satisfying outlet or, you know, hobby or whatever. Um, this has got to be more of a tool really now, I think it's sort of, it's almost a responsibility to use whatever you've got. And, you know, if it happens to be music, then try to say something with that. Um, music speaks louder than words often, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I find, uh, you know, with like social media and stuff, like I had a large, large reach at one time, uh, you know, thousands of people because I used to ghost produce. So I had a large reach. I worked with a lot of bands and I kind of gave that all up to come do my own thing. But I noticed that I'm, I made more of an impact with each individual person who actually listened to the music and, and talked to me about it than I ever did when I was in the scene, you know what I mean? Out mm-hmm. there really doing the Hollywood thing, right? Like running major shows, participating in major production. I never, I never got the kind of like, um, uh, 
person to person experience that I was looking for until I came off and did my own thing. So now I, I make very little money and I really don't have a following the way I used to, but people are much more in tune to the message. I could never say what I wanted to say before on social media or something and make an impact. You know, I couldn't go on Facebook and rant the way I rant in a song and have somebody come up to me and say, hey, that really meant something to me. But for some reason, the music makes an impact. Yeah. And do you feel like you, when you were working some of the bigger stuff that you also had to self-censor a little bit because you have to play the game, right? If you want to stay in that industry, you have to, or maybe you don't have to, did you feel like you had to self-censor? Oh, I mean, like I have a, a pile of, uh, um, um, you know, um, uh, you know, like you sign, you sign waivers every time, you know, uh, I can't remember the, the, the letters, um, uh, you know, non-disclosure agreements every single time. So, you know, you can never really talk about what you're working on and you can never really talk about what you want to talk about in the music because the industry that they have for music is just, it's garbage. They don't want to speak on anything real at all. Nothing. There's not one right. real conversation going on in mainstream music. Suppression of the truth. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I had to get out of that lifestyle and, and I gave up pretty much everything. I mean, the money's gone. Everything I was making from that is gone. It's all, it's all gone now because, you know, when you do ghost production, it's, it's a, it's a check. You sign a check and you never see that beat or that song again. And you hand it over and you might hear that on the radio next month, but it, nobody knows that's yours. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you just make the money and you walk on and you have to kind of, that that's a good, good lesson to learn on your ego death. Because you, you really kill your ego quick when you when you <laughs> you're walking through the grocery store and you hear your song and you know nobody <laughs> in there knows it's yours. So yeah, you know. I can imagine that it would that would be very difficult. I would think. <laughs> hey, that's my song. That'll be eight yeah. ninety nine. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. So so I you know um, even though I'm struggling doing what I do now, each experience has been so much more rewarding because so many people have come to me and gone, hey, that actually made an impact in my life, you know? Um, and it's I, music I, to your ears, really, isn't it? When you yeah. hear someone say that. And it's been all over the world, too. The first guy that ever contacted me was deep in Canada. You know, here I am in upstate New York. He's deep in Canada. And he tells me, you know, that song you made about 9-11, it changed my life. I started looking into the events wow. of 9-11. And, you know, I had never seen it from that perspective. And I was like, well, I'm glad I made some kind of impact. So even if I changed one life with talking about music on a deeper level and putting some real lyricism in it and having a, a story that, is usually truthful you know i do tell these fictional tales but 99 percent of the time i'm talking about my life and the way things have gone in this alternative mm. universe that i've created for myself yeah yeah it's pretty much what it is yeah i guess people people will listen because they have the freedom to hit the stop button so you know they're gonna yeah. listen when they when it's gonna matter, matter i suppose or even when they're not even realizing that it's mattering or it's going in it's like they might hear a song and then be that have that song going through their head a little bit later, and that's when they'll twig to, to the to the lyrics or what have you. Because I, I guess I, I mean I'm sure you will agree that I don't know what it's like in rap because it's so lyric based, isn't it? It's such a different world to sort of the music that I've made or the older style music where most people are just they're really just into into the beat, you know what have you. They're not really listening to the lyrics. 
I mean, you can pour over the lyrics for sometimes years <laughs> and then just wonder why the hell you're doing that because no one's really listening to the lyrics, you know. But then you'll get the occasional person who is a very, you know, very much a lyric-focused person. So, yeah, it's um, it's interesting who, who hears what. <laughs> I, I, I identify with what you just said, actually, because like I, that's one, a weird part of my struggle is because I am all about the writing and the lyrics. So like uh, when it, somebody comes up to me and it's like, oh, man, the beat on this is amazing. And I go, hey, did you listen to the message? Yeah. Go, oh, but the beat on this is amazing. Go, thank you. That's thank it. you. I'm glad you like the beat. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, it's it's also <laughs> ego death right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do think that maybe there is more emphasis and more understanding in the independent sphere of people paying more attention to lyrics. Uh, whenever you, whenever you are learning about someone and their music and their art from like an organic way, an you know, like this ground up that you hear it from people that you follow and that you're interested in what they're saying. And, and there's this truth element to it that, as you said, kind of binds us all together, although there is a ton of inviting, but there's this interest. So I think that that also creates more interest in the lyrics as opposed to coming from a commercial, you know, centralized top down, uh, kind of distribution of the music, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, when you get into these smaller um, cliques or, uh, you know, um, groups of people making this independent music, people tend to invest more of their own time and energy into it. And again, when you hear about it, yeah, absolutely. Everything you said is factual. Yeah. When you hear about it from somebody else, you're, you're more likely to connect to it on a deeper level. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a, a lot of the musicians that I found in the last few years have been because of podcasters or somebody going, uh, you know, hey, you know, like uh, Chuck Ocelli over there going, hey, uh, Joel, have you heard of uh, Diesel Automatic? And I go, oh, yeah, I think I know the name. And then I go listen to it. And it's some of the best stuff I've ever heard. So, you know, like when that you get those are like, you know, I, I ran into this guy, uh, Rhyme Wave through um, um, uh, uh, one of the guys on Union of the Unwanted there. Uh, uh, he has rebunked news. He was like, hey, uh, Scott Armstrong, he was like, hey, check out this guy, Rhyme Wave. And I start listening to it. And he's like my favorite artist now. So, you know what I mean? So the, it's it's weird, this this synergy, art imitating life, imitating art. And then all mm -hmm. of the conversations kind of mixing up into my music, all the sphere of where I'm at over the last few years has kind of blended together. It's nice. Mm. That's Can I awesome. ask, um, I'm, I was really intrigued to see one of your tracks called Jerry Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> That's a recent connection? one, right? Yeah, brand new, brand new, yeah. Oh, okay. What's what's the connection with Jerry Lewis? Because, I mean, I know who he is. <laughs> so, okay, so in the song, I said, you know, um, I'm going to turn beans into steak, call me Jerry Lewis. I ain't no Dean Martin, call me Jerry Lewis. And so what I'm talking about <laughs> is a movie called Artists and Their Models. It's a very old film with Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. And it's a, it's a movie about the comic book industry and the suppression of the comic book industry. And that's why I was attached to this film as a kid, because I'm a comic book nerd through and through. Right. And, uh, but the point of the film, of the, the reference is in the movie, the, the, uh, Jerry Lewis is cutting up one single bean and pretending it's a piece of steak, right? He's at the, his wits end, 
he and Dean Martin have nothing. They're living in this one room apartment together. And uh, Dean Martin isn't really taking any of Jerry Lewis's shit. And he goes to bed. And in from <laughs> the window flies a steak and it lands on the plate. And, you know, the point I was just trying to make in that verse was like, I don't care where I'm at right now. I'm going to push through. I'm going to keep going. And I was at a desperate point, a really desperate point. When I wrote the track, I was staying in the storage shed that night, sleeping, and the water was coming in. So I didn't know what to do. I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do, you know? And uh, uh, I just started writing lyrics on my phone. And a couple of days later, that's what I find, you do. Yeah, yeah. You create art, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, so that's that track. That's, you know, it's kind of deeply personal one, even though it's kind of like uh, the vibe is very hip hoppy and, uh, it doesn't seem like it's like deeply personal lyrics, but I was right. at a, a dark place when I wrote it. So, I, you know, that's what that's about. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Desperation, desperation is the mother of invention. So, yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I listened to that song and I was like, yes, this is this is a vibe. You know, I'm enjoying this, but you're right. And, and you know, because of our Twitter interactions, I did know that you had had a hard time. Um, but I still did not understand the depth of like what you're explaining to us in this story, which is a really good story. Um, you know, it really does solidify the meaning of your music and like what you're saying. I don't know. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, that was a great question, Stella, because it, it does sound like a positive song um, in spite of the conditions that you wrote it, which is, you know, that's pretty amazing. I think I really yeah, remember that. Yeah. And that's okay, the, the goal that now is to try and create more positive music, right? Because like, if you listen to my old music, it's very negative. It's a, and I've been trying to build an arc and I just couldn't seem to get there. I was going through a lot of personal things. If you listen to the previous albums, Mercury and past albums, you're going to hear a depression, you know, cause I was very depressed. I was going through a lot. So, um, I feel like I'm coming out of that now. And that's why I'm trying to bring a more positive vibe to the newer, the newer songs. Yeah, it's pretty easy to write a low vibe song. Like it's fairly, it, it pours out fairly easily, but it is quite, um, what's the word, self-indulgent, I suppose. But I don't, I never apologize for that because that is part of what music is. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's different. If you've got to make a career out of it and you've got to make money out of it, you tend to write differently, don't you? You don't really write for yourself. But when you just, it's still um, something for yourself. Yeah, you can, you sort of can write anything you like. But um, it, it does become like a diary, really, doesn't it? I mean, I, I've got some old tracks which I, I just go, uh, you know, should I put that out or not? Because even though it might be a good song, it's sort of not where I'm at now. So it's <laughs> I really struggle yeah. with things like that. So um, yeah, but it's more like a diary of your life, I suppose. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to listen to the old music. Not both, uh, you know, just where you at, where you're at, musicianship wise, because you grow, you grow yeah. over time. So sometimes playing the old things are like, oh man, I should have, uh, you know, you hear your own mistakes, and then also, you know, there's that depression factor. At least for me, you know, like a lot of my old music is very, it's very sad. I was struggling. I was struggling with the idea of who are we, what are we, why are we here, and I go through that in real time with with people throughout my five studio albums in the course of a year, you know, just uh, really struggling with my identity and uh, our identity as a, a people and uh, a country and a world. So, mm -hmm. yeah, well, that's, that's a huge output. What five, five albums in a year you said? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um. Well, that's a lot of working through, you know. I mean, <laughs> again, <laughs> yeah. you know, great things come from from tragedy. So, and one of the things that that reminded me of is, uh, how, you know, a little bit of my own personal journey. Um, not necessarily in my life, but e- even in the past three years, because for a large part of this, I was really fucking angry, really angry. I and we talked about this on um, a podcast that we do called the WTF forum. And it reminded me of the five stages of grief. And you had five albums in this time, right? And you're now at this place, like, and you even said it, even though you're not calling yourself a hero, I I don't mean it that way, but you are experiencing your own journey. And it's like you finally, even though everything isn't perfect, this is you processing these emotions and getting to a place where you are feeling better, where you're feeling, you know, we're at acceptance, right? Like you do cycle back through these things, but at a having, at being at a place of acceptance, I feel like is a really positive place to be because from there, then we can look at next moves. Where do we go next? Start planning and reflect in a healthier way, at least for, for me, you know, and it, it sounds like that's kind of what you've got going on as well with some of this uplifting, um, more uplifting vibe that you're going for. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like you're saying, like five albums, five. And if you listen to them, they really are the stages of, you know, grief, I guess you could say, because I was going through a breakup, I was going through losing my home, I was going through, you know, uh, so yeah, they are, you know, uh, and they're plant, they, they follow planetary bodies, each of the names of the albums. So, you know, because it's Jupiter, you know, uh, so each one of these, these albums kind of has their own oddly angered characteristics as well right until you get to my newer music where it is you know kind of um coming out the other side and going okay i'm accepting this and like it's allowed me to make some some happier beats some uh you know so i was stuck in this kind of like um uh like musicianship wise i was playing a lot of spanish guitar and just wallowing in my own sorrow and that came <laughs> yeah. through on the albums you know it's a, a lot of spanish guitar a lot of hand drums you know and now it's 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 breaking through where i'm doing some experimental stuff you know i'm sticking a drum in water and i'm finding out what does that sound like i'm uh, nice. you know what i mean like different stuff you know i'm just I'm messing around now and that's it's that can't happen unless you're in a good place you know emotionally um I feel like you have to go through fire to come out the other side and kind of uh, have your music mean anything too. I mean, if you're if you're not if you're never um, if you don't really experience anything, what what are you going to create that's that's going to mean anything? I think that's what happens to a lot of famous musicians. They get to this point where uh, they've been treated perfect for twenty years, and then it all falls apart, you know, because uh, they they can't produce anything. They have no real life experience. Yeah, true. I mean, you can't make a great sword without forging it in a fire, can you? So it's just the way it is. Um, one of your tracks is, I think it's Make a Difference. Yeah, yep. I, I really love that one. <laughs> that one really, really made me prick up my ears. I mean, that was just such a great feel. Yeah, I love that. I just wanted to say. You got me there Thanks. with that one. Fangirl. <laughs> Thank you. That, yeah, that's, uh, that, you know, that was a... Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, they're all good, but that one particularly stood out for me. I just really love that. Yeah, too. you know, I've I've been trying some different things, and that's definitely one of those different things, right? It comes off more yeah. like a rock track, you know. I've, I've been doing some oh, bluesy type stuff. <laughs> um, it's it's a lot more fun to really go back to my roots. You know, I came from punk rock, so I was oh. playing a lot of punk rock in my early days, and uh, it's a lot of fun to go back and pick up a guitar and a bass and uh, uh, an actual drum kit and play some stuff that, you know, it, it's a, it's a, that return to roots rock feel. And then to also kind of rap on top of it and blend it all together. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So my biggest hits too have been kind of the more like country vibe. And I never thought I'd be the kind of person to sing a country song. And that those are some of my biggest like uh, played songs. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. You can never predict what's, going to get picked up or appreciated can you yeah can i, can I bounce it can i bounce a few um artists off you and just i'm not sure whether you've heard of these guys whether i'm being a little bit too old school but i'm just interested to know if they're part of your historical absolutely influence. yeah yeah red hot chili peppers now you'd know those guys absolutely adore them flea is my favorite yep. bassist of all time all right no surprise massive <laughs> attack no as in you don't know them don't know massive attack Oh, okay. Faithless, probably the same. No. Faithless, okay. Um, I'm showing my age. Arrested Development. Absolutely, yep. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Shout yeah. out Arrested Development. Yeah, hey, JJ. Yeah, we just uh, interviewed JJ a week or so ago. Lovely. Oh, yep, that's awesome. Yeah, I did see that on your feed. I didn't get a chance to listen, but that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah and great he music. was... Vibe. Yes, yes. And he was uh, super such a cool person so yeah. definitely check out that episode he was great yeah nice oh if, if you're not familiar with massive attack and faceless I, I encourage you to go and have a listen to some of them i think you might enjoy them They're i'll definitely check for, those out i 80s. love finding new music especially if it's not new music it's old music but yeah yeah it's, absolutely it's new to you and i'm pretty sure you'll really like them <laughs> yeah excellent uh, wonderful what about the, the avena have you heard of the avena i don't know the avena Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Check that one All out. All right. <laughs> Excellent. So what's next? Um, you're just going to keep churning churning tracks out? Yeah, right now I'm trying to find, um, I, I found a local bar down the street, you know, like kind of a real kind of rebel type little place. And I think we're going to play a, an underground show there. And yes. uh, so that's going to be fun. And I'm just going to keep cranking out albums. Right now I'm working on a new album. It's going to be called The Venus when it comes out, keeping in line with that kind of planetary bodies theme that I've already got going on. So like when you see the planetary albums, they're more like my mainstream music. But if you see an album with a constellation name, it always I'll always keep that with the name of the stars that the constellation goes with and the same number of tracks that is in the constellation. It's kind of like this weird... Um, like, you know, my concept album, you know, the idea. Right, yep. the, uh, so the only one that's different in my whole album set is called Orion. And that's, you know, uh, I plan to make another one of those soon where it's it's all in the same theme, all in the same. I, I got real specific with that one, even in the same like BPM, uh, like sound structure. So that mm -hmm. sounds great. But anyway, yeah. So I'm going to keep cranking out new new stuff and just keep charging ahead. Right. So it's like a thread that you're just keeping weaving through. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah, I'm kind of creating this like you know my own like um, a side universe, you know, a, a dystopian side universe to our own, <laughs> where I can nice. tell kind of a sadder tale than my own. 
<laughs> That's very cool. And it does kind of also uh, align with your comic book interest as well. Yeah. To have this, you know, your own theme, your own kind of universe that you're creating there. So that's really neat. The other thing that I, I was going to ask was in line with what Stella's asking. So do you have people locally that are going to be doing the show as well? Um, or like that that are going to perform also, or you're going to perform yeah, together. Actually, so we're, uh, we're going to be doing kind of a reunion show with our original band. So I'm very excited to, to get back together with USMW and do an original kind of set. And then we'll, we might uh, have some surprises as to like larger artists that might come on people we've worked with in the past. Uh, I don't want to give anything away early because sure, you know, I don't yeah. want to ruin the chances of having a bigger artist come to a tiny little bar, but uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we have a, a larger artist close out the night, but well, we should be doing that soon. Keep us updated on that. And of course, like once you get that information, I can share it out with Twitter and hopefully, uh, you know, Upstate will show up for you. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say too, you know, there are some small places, at least there used to be in Syracuse as well. Not too far from you. There's uh, like Funk and Waffles, which is downtown Syracuse. It's a little restaurant, but they do host um you know, kind of uh, independent crowd. So maybe even looking, you know, I know it's about probably an hour and a half or something away from you out that way, but yeah, they, we've they had yeah, we're definitely looking into some alternative venues too. Yeah, there's also like the the Prescott or the Escott up there, same area. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, there's got a, a couple... lot of great venues out there. They do. I feel like Syracuse is actually uh, pretty supportive of you know, the independent scene with a lot of these really neat venues that are, are perfect for that. So um, that's awesome. That's good to hear. And definitely keep us updated and we'll share that out as well. Absolutely. Do you think there's any um, tours or anything like that on the horizon? Had any thoughts? I do think I do think by next summer, I think I'm going to plan a, a regional mini tour and hit up like um, probably Ohio, uh, Philadelphia, New York City, and then head down south at some point, like split it up two summer tours and then do, um, you know, like um, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, back home. But, nice. uh, you know, yeah, probably by next summer. I haven't, you know, it's one of those, Um, I had a lot of inventory as far as like, uh, you know, um, clothing supplies and those kind of things. And throughout doing the podcasting thing, I've just kind of been giving away all, all my like merchandise as like fr freebies, you know, like just getting my name out there and that kind of thing. Yep. yep. So yeah, I was going to... I was going to ask about uh, if you have a, a store or something like that where people can buy your merch at this time, or if you're trying to kind of get rid of the old stuff and have some new stuff for your newer music coming out or... Yeah, I was kind of burning off all my old uh, all my old stuff. At some point, I do plan on getting some sort of store. I think a lot of people these days are doing with like a direct print type thing, so I might look into that. Uh, I, I don't... I don't, I usually do things on the kind of a value for value basis. So I've never really oh, sold my stuff. So um, recently I started kind of like uh, accepting the idea that I'm going to have to go into like, you know, actually selling the merchandise, but, you know, um, getting off that value. I'd still do a lot of this stuff on a value for value basis, but it's, it's just harder than it used to be. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh... Yeah, I think that's pretty well said and and I'm sure very much felt, um, you know, with independent musicians 
like we talked yeah. about a little bit before the show, everything got harder. That's um, what I wanted to ask. Um, do you do your own artwork as well? Absolutely. So all, all the artwork is done by me. So I do most nice. of that stuff. Um, it's a lot of fun just taking on every aspect of it. You know, I record myself, yeah. I publish myself, I, it's all me. And that's a lot of fun. Uh, knowing that I've taken, you know, you don't want to ever hand over your masters to somebody. And I've experienced that too, where, you know, you were stuck on a shelf as an artist for a few years because you gave somebody the rights to what you made. And uh, I preach heavily against that. I mean, don't, as an artist, don't do that. Be independent, get out there, make the money yourself, do everything yourself. And that way, at the end of the day, you can say, yes, that's mine. Yes, I created that and stand by what you did. Yes, let Prince and George Michaels of the world be the example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they can get ripped off. Yeah, no, you do a fantastic package. And I would also like to acknowledge and say um, thank you, brother, for holding the line with the uh, lack of force injection. Well done yeah. for that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I, uh, you know, uh, the entire Orion album is kind of about, you know, that, you know, the idea that uh, – uh, all, all, all the albums really since 2021 have been really this idea of um, I'm not, I'm not going to stand for what the elite want to push. And uh, I don't think anybody else should either, but it's all your decision. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. At the end of the day, everybody has to make their own choices, but uh, you know, um, I've been duped. I've been duped a million times by my government and uh, I've been duped a million times by the elite and I'm sick and tired of it. I think we all need to fight back against that. Yeah, yep, uh, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Um. So uh, the other question that I had with in your creation process, you know, what does your day to day look like? I mean, do you try to are you like fiddling and and mixing and, you know, in the lab, <laughs> as well, it, it were, every day. I spent, yeah, I used yeah. to spend a lot of time in the studio. Like, you know, I was doing 40 to 50 hour weeks, uh, you know, uh, when I was working online. These days I work in a factory physically. So I, I work a, a 40 hour work week. It's very different lifestyle for me. And yet I find myself much more creative with the few hours that I have to tinker. I'm doing much crazier things that I never would have thought of because all day long I kind of I'm up in my head going, what can I do that's different? You know, and I'm kind of a um, working with my hands in a different way has kind of exposed me to going, oh, I'm going to do this different thing. Plus, I'm around a lot of different ambient noises now. And I take on those ambient noises and go, I could make that sound. And I try and like replicate some different things. So I'm really playing around now. I'm playing around with organic sounds and I'm playing around with organic instruments in a way that I never have. So, yeah. Um, I don't spend as much time in the lab as I used to. I don't, um, my songs come out in about half an hour, print to finish. Uh, so like from, from, you know, creating the loops to putting it through the MPC to putting it into my studio board to writing the lyrics to singing it half an hour to an hour, a full song. So it's a lot faster Holy than crap. it used to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's Mama almost Mama. like, I guess if you are, I mean, it's almost like you're processing all of this stuff while you're away from it, though. So you can yes. be more efficient when you're there. And it, you already have so much experience in doing all of that stuff. Maybe you just processing it here, like you said, while keeping your hands and part of your mind occupied in another way allows the other part 
to really process and think about things and come up with things in a, a creative yeah. manner. You know, and I described the, the music part to somebody as getting almost like a download from the universe. Like it's all just there for me. Like I'll wake up in a cold sweat at night mm. and jump over to the guitar and the recurring studio and turn it on, you know, half naked and just start playing because that's, it's there. It's all just there for me. So I, and I don't, I'm not formally trained in music the way a lot of people are. So I do re read tablature and uh, uh, guitar chords and I do have some understanding of reading music, but I don't, it's all just there. You know what I mean? I create based off, yeah, feel and, you know, um, auditory knowledge, I guess. Yeah, I was, I was actually I had a picture when you were saying you've, you're in a sort of a factory. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's full of rhythms, isn't it? That must be inspiring in a lot of ways. Like, do you ever take your recorder to work and, and record the conveyor belt or whatever it is, you know, the, the rhythms I, that you must be Many years by? ago, I have a song that has, and I shouldn't even say this out loud because I could get in trouble. But yeah, I do have a song that has some machine noises in it that I kind of like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, the, the rhythms of these different machines and stuff that I work around because, I, you know, uh, really, yeah, they've definitely... Um, change the way I perceive music. It's a, it's an interesting thing. And I'm in my head all day too. So I work very, mm -hmm. very much alone uh, for 40 hours a week. So I have time to kind of uh, produce. Uh, yeah, one of my friends, uh, number six from the, the New Prisoners podcast called me an autodidact. And I didn't know that what that was, but he said, you know, it's somebody who learns instantly, you know what I mean? And that's, uh, I think that's, that's true. I do pick up things very quickly. So uh, as soon as I see something, I kind of know it. And that's been helpful in the music because, you know, I, I, I see something new and I file it for later. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I was going to ask, is that the, that way as well with your designs and stuff like that? I mean, did you just teach yourself graphic design, graphic art? Oh yeah. My, my stuff is done mostly with a cell phone. I mean, I take like 19 different apps and, uh, uh, uh draw and then, uh, you know, um, you know, charcoal drawings and yeah, I just kind of just started picking up art one day and, uh, yeah, I have no formal training on anything except for theater, uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I think even Photoshop's a thing of the you know it's a bit archaic now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so. yeah. Um, so yeah, I've I've just kind of taught myself how to create uh, these images and how to make sure they're copyright free and you know what I mean. So uh, and that I can make money off them so that you know like so you know uh, legally training yourself on the music end of things is the hardest part. You know, uh, other than that, uh, it was, it's been very easy, smooth sailing, you know, to kind of just, uh, create a name for myself and create, uh, an image and a brand, right. Um, the brand wasn't always what it is. And that's the beautiful thing is that it's kind of evolved into this kind of like, almost like freedom fighter character of who I would actually like to be at some point. <laughs> I'm Sorry, not erroneous method, but I could be. <laughs> Did you like say that. That legally was the most difficult thing to learn? Did I hear you Oh, yeah, then? absolutely. Like right. uh, learning okay. about... Yes, I would agree. The, yeah, yeah. 
the legal structure of music and they changed it on us so much so quickly yeah. oh just even in the last few years yeah. i've struggled with uh you know people who are professionals they do this every day to know where i'm within my rights like we talked about sampling earlier the idea of like mm -hmm. taking someone else's music at one point i was going to do that and i had an album held up because of sample clearance yes. so that's why i don't even play around with that anymore ever yeah, because it's it's, it's it's not worth my time. It's not worth my oh, energy mm -hmm. to lose an entire track for a year in limbo. Yeah, exactly. Or um, releasing a cover even. It's just like, yeah. I forget it. It's just too hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I did some covers uh, under different names, uh, back in pseudonyms back in the day. But I don't mess around with that anymore, again, because it's just too, it's too hard. You don't want to get sued for that. Look, I don't think even the copyright lawyers have any idea. They themselves are sort of like, well, you know, it's a grey area. It's like, well, this one hasn't been done before. I mean, technology really pretty much dictates a lot of that, doesn't it? The, as technology changes, I mean, boy, once the transistor happened in the you know, 50s, 60s, whenever that was, that changed things. And then, of course, we had the microchip in the 80s. And, of course, now we're dealing with the streaming, the digital streaming thing. Oh, we're of constantly course. changing what the rules are, what the laws are. I mean, Never you get to catch make up. A, a hip hop track the way you did in the 80s today because it was all sampled and assumed other people's yeah. music. Exactly. Just repeated and looped and the, the laws were what they were. You could sample eight seconds or whatever. Mm. You know, nowadays you can't do anything like that. You can't take another person's sample without giving them clearance. So it's very interesting mm. to watch how they, you know, uh, um, yeah, you're right. Since they, they've always been messing with the laws, right? You could go back to the Rockefellers and the 440 Hertz Commission and, and just changing the way we process audio in, in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about the... I'm not sure about that whole theory with the Rockefellers. I mean, I think they did. They definitely had something to do with it. I think, yes. Um, but that was sort of... Are you talking about the 440 versus 432? Yes, yes, A's? yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was sort of basically came around because... Um, like in Europe, for instance, uh, if there was a tour going on, I don't know, some French dude, when I'm talking tour, I'm not talking like modern tours, I'm talking classical music tours, um, and they'd travel to a different, you know, country or what have you, and the concert pitch was never quite the same, it would be like, oh, we have to, you know, we play in this or what have you, so it was, it was really just like centuries ago, it was purely just to bring the concert pitch together so that wherever you toured or whoever you played with was going to be in the same pitch. So that's really what that was all about, just making it uniform globally. Um, <laughs> there was nothing too nefarious about it, but I think along the way somewhere there was probably something. I mean, they could have decided on 432. It would have been nice because cyclically that is what is in harmony. I think mathematically that's what's in harmony with our own frequencies and the frequency of the universe if you want to go down that path. Um, you know, eight point what is it? Eight point seven point three, seven point eight three, I believe, is the the resonant tone of the Earth. But um, anyway, look, yeah, that's a whole other show, I suppose. It's, it's very interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Though the whole cymatics and all that. Abs yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of more joking about that than anything, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> and I did want to say it does remind me of the barriers to entry for small businesses, right? Uh, obviously I'm, you know, we know that I'm not a musically inclined person, but it reminds me of why centralization sucks so much for the little guy, because it is not the huge music 
industry that suffers from constantly changing these regulations and constantly cranking and making it more difficult. It is the independent person who actually has an opportunity to say what they think, to have an outside opinion, to influence different thought. That is who suffers from all these little bullshit uh, law changes and copyright issues and, and all of that stuff. So it just reminds, I mean, it's just like the same, it's the same, the same, the same, right? It's in every industry and in, in any small business and any small artist, it is, it's like a rigged game against, you know, the independent person, the independent thinker, the, the person starting uh, from the ground roots and not a created person. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The the game, uh, you can look at uh, major rappers like uh, Tom McDonald, who's an independent rapper. I don't like the guy's message necessarily, but a lot of people are really into him. They like what he has to say. He's one of the largest independent rappers in the world, yet he's not charting. Why is he not charting? You can start to mm-hmm. look into that. It's it's very rigged. The game is is designed to make sure that as an independent artist, you are not getting ahead. Um, uh, the biggest song in the world right now, uh, today, that country song, uh, um, North Richmond, Men, North of Richmond. Richmond. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But, <laughs> I mean, that's the perfect example. I mean, they're trying to throw money at this guy, get him under lock and key. And he's saying, no, no, not doing it. Yeah, that's a whole thing, a whole other discussion of like, if someone is allowed to trend in that way, are they really organic? And Good I've question. had the same question about um, Tom McDonald. Although I like a lot of his stuff. I'm not saying that, but I just have to wonder if in the same way that like Tim Pool is independent, but he's allowed <laughs> to keep his YouTube channel and rack in all those super chats. And anyway, that's a whole other thing. Yes. But what I want to do, is thank you so much for your time. I feel a lot of gratitude uh, that we ended up meeting online um, and that we connected in that way. A ton of gratitude for Stella for being here and for her musical insights because, you know, I don't have that part. And this was a very fascinating conversation from that perspective. Um So thanks to both of you so much. I hope that y'all have enjoyed this uh, conversation. I really have. And Joel, I did want to have you tell us where people can find you, where they can get in touch with you, where they can support you, help you out if they are called to do that. All right, so I'm on Spotify. You can check out my music there. You can find my five professional albums. All my new music goes on to SoundCloud. You can check out my mu- new music there. I'm on Venmo as Erroneous Method. If you feel led to donate to me, you can. That's not a necessary thing, but I have been going through a rough time, so if you feel led to, that'd be awesome. Um, also, I have a podcast of my own. It's called Shut Up, Joel. I haven't put out an episode in a while, but you could definitely check that out, and that would help support me. Um, and that's on all podcast players, to my knowledge. Excellent. I was okay. going to ask about that. Yes, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been a real delight catching up with you and chatting with you, Joel. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you both Thank so you, much. Yeah, so all, all the very best. Yeah, absolutely. All the links are also going to be in our show notes. And oh, tell them where they can find you on Twitter. Oh, you can find me at Erroneous Method, all one word on Twitter. 
Awesome. So, and if anybody Thanks. does have any questions, if you have trouble tracking Joel down, feel free to uh, reach out to me. I'm happy to send over the info to connect with you any, any time. So uh, thanks everyone so much for joining in. Thank you, Joel, for your time. Thank you, Sel, for being here. I really super appreciate it. And we will talk to you next time. And you can get in touch with us, the Union of the Unknowns, at our website, which is unionoftheunknowns.com. That takes you to our link tree where you can find all the ways to touch base with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Union of the Unknowns. You can find new episodes every week on all your favorite podcasting networks. 